of streaming things my name is chris andy i'm steve that is steve the best of the three uh so on this show <laughs> we talk about the show stranger things a very popular netflix netflix property uh right now we're re-watching season one breaking down each episode one by one in hot anticipation of season two Mm, titillating. Yeah, titillating. <laughs> hot. <laughs> That's not the kind of hot that I hot was uh, waiting to action. <laughs> this is very much like my sex life. Anywho, uh, this episode <laughs> is Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. It's the title of the episode. Uh, Netflix describes it this way. An increasingly concerned Nancy looks for Barb and finds out what Jonathan's been up to. Joyce is convinced Will is trying to talk to her. And that's what it gives you. Out of context, that sounds so different. Like, why just want Will to talk to me? (laughs) Why won't he? What's Jonathan up to? I know it sounded very soap opery. Finds out what Jonathan's been up to. He's cheating on her. This is like a very Seventh Heaven style synopsis. Mm, We could change the whole dynamic of the show, but we won't do that because we are very faithful to our listeners. Uh, A quick little inside baseball. I just want to let all of you know uh, that are listening now in the future. We actually have not released the show yet. We are waiting for iTunes approval. So by the time that you are hearing this, um, should be a few days from now, and you probably will have as many as five episodes to listen to all at once. Right? Is that true? Yeah. Look at my co-host here. Somewhere, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. well, if you count, like, episode Tilda. Episode Tilda. Our most famous debut. So... Um, yes, thank you for staying with us. Uh, we're getting better at this as it goes along. We've got more of a structure here, and we hope that you're enjoying yourselves. Uh, the dyna- dynamic personality of Stu has saved us while we learn. Yeah, so, such a good guy. let's dive right in here <laughs> to Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. Um, yeah, so it starts off uh, with Barb, the yeah. Justice for Barb storyline. Um, and I had a question right off the bat because, again... A little backstory, if you guys have been paying attention, you know this at home. Uh, this is my first rewatch since last year. Steve's as well. Uh, Andy's third, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a little rustier. And it, I think that's part of the joy is that we get to sort of approach this with a very, just a slightly smudged lens uh, from prior viewings. So I'm just asking myself, how does the Demogorgon kill? Right? Because we know mm-hmm. how uh, later, how certain characters are found mm-hmm. that may or may not be dead. Uh so it seems like he has to take them to the upside down, but he can journey to the real world, seemingly at will. I would argue at that he will. Oh, will. I see what you did there. <laughs> Does he have to take people to the upside down? Because there's in episode one, he kind of just grabs the guy oh. in the elevator and just kind of, oh, you don't need the elevator, buddy. Let me <laughs> and raises him up. Yeah, but that's toward like the nexus point that's crossover true. area. Um, yeah, it's just, and I don't remember if these questions are answered definitively by the end of the season is why I ask. I'm just kind of putting it out there now. As of now, it just seems he kills by just dramatically dragging someone off screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's 80s horror, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. Okay, just want to throw that out there. So there's a shot of Barb in the pool and then in the upside down pool um, that I loved that she's, so she's grabbing the ladder. Um, it's an empty pool in the upside down. There's no water in the All upside right. down. Um, it's a version of hell and there's nothing worse than an empty pool and no skateboard. <laughs> that pool uh, hasn't been cleaned either. It's dirty. <laughs> yeah, it's totally off season. Uh, she's just clutching for dear life at the rails. Um, and then that's the last that we see of her yanking her down there. It's intercut with the sex scene, like close up on her hand, grabbing the rails and then close yeah. up on the clutching hands during coitus. They made sure that that was not a titillating scene. They yeah. just ensured that, yeah. uh, just splicing it with jokes on you. I'm into that shit with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, and I wonder if there's something to be said for, um, some symbolism there for what it's like to be that friend, which I was in high school, you know, uh, not a whole lot of people, unless they were woke, found me attractive. And so I always had the, <laughs> the friend that was having sex in the other room while I'm clutching at the fighting pool rails, fighting Demogorgon. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. It's more often just playing Super Nintendo. Um, what do you guys think about that now? It could be like, yeah, I see that. It could be symbolically because Barb sort of represents Nancy's, you know, pureness in mm-hmm. a way. And mm-hmm. she's decided Ooh. to kind of give that up and she's technically that side of Nancy's being killed off. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly, nice. or at least drug away suddenly dramatically oh, in a pool. Nice, yeah. Steve. Um, so I, I think there's obvious, definitely some some sort of symbolism. Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly it, but there's something going on there, those Duffer brothers. Right, and there's, you know, it's just a straight up 80s horror trope that um, sex has consequences, you know what I mean? Mm. It's always like, you know, in Friday the 13th, the kids the camp counselors go and have sex and that's why everything goes to shit. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. always like a, it's kind of like this subconscious abstinence kind of thing that they were pushing on people. And you know, they, they kind of use that here with, uh, Nancy. I think Nancy's sex with Steve in this episode is a pretty big plot for multiple characters in the episode, but we'll get to that later. Mm. Cause obviously Barb's involved with like we mentioned right. possibly mm-hmm. the killing off of her more g- younger girly side or more pure side uh but well yeah when we get to that i'll bring that up again nice laying groundwork for later bombs i've got chills netflix and chills <laughs> uh so steve speaking of steve steve in the show uh he passes out after sex total male trope oh, yeah. uh, total very steve ac- trope <laughs> <laughs> very accurate it's so sad that she's she's like Deflowered and sort of, you know, everybody's disenfranchisement at that point, pretty much, especially on the female side, I would imagine. <laughs> where it's like, that was it, you know? Uh, and then, is he sleeping right now? We're not gonna, it we're not gonna talk about this. like the first <laughs> And it's over. She's like, I guess I'm leaving. And, uh, that was the wrong like, foreigner song. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I guess so. I guess you're leaving. I don't know. Uh, is this the beginning of wearing your boyfriend's hoodie? Was that in the 80s? <laughs> she comes home, she puts that on, and it's called it a sweatshirt in the 80s, but yeah. that's a huge thing in the 90s and in the early aughts, you know? Well, in like wearing the 50s Boo-Boo's hoodie. Shit, it'd be like the Letterman jacket. Oh, true, you know? true. So it's always whatever the fashionable jacket of the time is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what in like the 1800s, he just wore their overcoat. <laughs> their he top. gave me his coonskin hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big deal, Mom. He just gave me his coonskin hat. It was Nothing cold. happened. <laughs> Um, 
So then I felt so bad. So Jonathan comes home to find his mother surrounded by dozens of lamps of various models. And are we to assume that she's bought these lamps or that she's pulled them from all over her tiny house? Because who I would own that, that many lamps? lamps? I know. Who would own that many lamps? There was more lamps in the 80s. There was less overhead lighting, I feel like, in the 80s. So there was definitely <laughs> more. True. She might have owned all of them. <laughs> I've done the research. It's a fact. Uh, Maybe I she felt- just kept going to Donald and buying more and more lamps. <laughs> just we didn't get to see those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Just check me out, Donald. I feel like you're supposed to empathize uh, with Joyce in this scene where no one believes her because she obviously looks crazy and she's missing her son. It's very sad that no one will believe her. But I honestly felt more for Jonathan and just tried to put myself in his shoes, which maybe is common. I'm not sure. But just picture him. He's missing his little brother. Uh, again, he feels some response, uh, uh, feels responsible and, and, and guilt for it. And then he sees his mother, who's clearly unhinged, and she's just surrounded by lamps sitting in Will's room. Like, come on, talk to me, baby. Right. And, you know, he's just like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this is bad. You know what I mean? I have lost my entire family at this point now. She's she's gonzo. Um, did you guys have any similar thoughts during that scene? Or Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's like, Mom, you can't get like this. And he's like tearing up and stuff. He's, he's such a good actor. Charlie he Heaton, I kills think, it. kills it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that could be a motivation for him to kind of go out on his own that he's he so often does to try to solve this himself because his mom's I mean, she's trying to solve it in her own way. But from his perspective, she's, she's just wasting a lot of time. She's just sitting in a room full of lamps waiting for one to go off and have an idea. I yeah. guess but, <laughs> right. literally. Yeah. Uh, poor Jonathan there is freaking out. Um, and then we cut to um, Nancy doing the, the slut walk of shame, yeah. which seems to be in her mind. So yeah. She's got this guilt. Um, and I think there was a little bit more of this probably in the eighties. Like we still have these, uh, slut shaming and things like that going on in 2017. But mm-hmm. I think losing your virginity in high school was probably a lot bigger deal in the early eighties. Oh, for uh, sure. It's pretty common now. You Plus know? The AIDS scare of the eighties. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. So she's thinking everybody's whispering and looking at her and it's reminding me of, <laughs> for some stupid reason, the, uh, Cersei Lannister walk. Uh, and Game Shame. of Thrones. Shame. Shame. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Shame. But in a high school setting. Uh, and then, yeah, I just wanted to, this is where hashtag Justice for Barb was born. Yeah. Um, which becomes a thing if you've already seen the show. You remember that uh, Twitter explosion of fun? Poor Barb. Do you think um, the the perceived walk of shame do you think that is all in her head or is there really like, do you think the people that are looking at her actually know something or is it just her? In her mind. I was going back and forth. My first initial reaction was it's all in her head Mm -hmm. and she has her own guilt. Um, And then I remembered that when she brings it up that there were friends there who are pieces of shit uh, that probably would go around school town. And they obviously weren't at the very least shy about it. You know, later we see in the lunchroom when we like the when Harry met Sally. Ooh. Mm. Is that a, when Harry, we'll bring that up in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but That's yeah, it. when when uh, the girl, oh, what are their names? The Steve's two friends, the really uh, awful uh, people, douchebag and bitch. Uh, <laughs> no, I have no idea. D and B, D and B. I'm not sure. We could probably Google it real quick, but we're not going to waste the listeners' time uh, with Googles of of those people. They're jerks, but yeah, there's that lunchroom scene where they. If people didn't know then, they know something yeah, happened. Very. Anyone in that uh, cafeteria figured right. out something. Because that was loud. Yeah. Discretion is not their MO. Um, so then we have uh, the fellas. You know, we have Dustin, Lucas, and Mike hanging out with Eleven. Uh, and we get another of those seamless flashbacks when she's flipping through the TV. 
uh, and she sees a Coke can. So we get a little more backstory. They're really good. Like the way that Game of Thrones was like sex position. Uh, I mean, flashback exposition is nothing new, but I think they're they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And weaving it into the current timeline and giving you little nuggets to keep it like a mystery, but you're slowly realizing what kind of purpose person we're dealing with Levin and, and the scope of the story. Uh, and it was a very brief, all you saw was like uh, some headgear <laughs> and a crushed, a, a mind crushed Coke can, mm-hmm. uh, but it's all we needed. And I just thought one to make note of that because I'm really fond of their their seamless use of flashbacks here. So what would, what did you say while we were watching this, Andy? When she did the when she crushed the crushed the cocaine? Oh, uh, little, little Nikki, you turned a Coke into a Pepsi, <laughs> <laughs> a little watered wine. Do you think Matthew Modine's in the back, like, no, don't crush the can, make it a Pepsi? It's a taste of a generation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and um, then, their names were uh, Tommy H and Carol. Tommy H. The douchebags and yeah, bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he got an H and she just got a Carol. Yeah. It's my mom's name. Carol or Tommy? Carol. Tommy H. <laughs> Carol. Mommy Tommy. Uh, okay. And then so we cut to another scene with Donald. Right? So a quick scene with Joyce when she goes to buy the Christmas lights. She pulls out the Christmas box and then she realizes she needs more. She's trying to communicate with Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get another Donald scene, which I know we're all fans of. Just, just <laughs> bring it up. Fucking Donald. Ring him up, Donald. Like she was totally prepared Donald. to hear some Donald bullshit. Like this is what you're spending your advance on. It's Christmas light. It's July. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, I kind of wanted to know what he was going to tell her. Like, Joyce, it's July. This isn't going to people are going to wonder. Yeah, well, it's set in November. I mean, this, she could be just, you know, getting prepared. Is it November? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah that's right. That's true. But she's like got a hell of a and he's probably thinking, what a cold bitch. Your son has been missing four days. <laughs> and you're and already the- all you can think about is having the coolest house in town on Christmas. You know? <laughs> This is why you needed the advance. They're not even the flashing kind, Joyce. Get a leg up on the neighbors. (laughs) Joyce, if you really want to impress the neighborhood, get the icicle ones. They're the new hotness. You know, it's. I just thought how sensitive Christmas lights are, especially the Christmas light technology of the 80s. (laughs) When one of them goes out. If one of them went out, Will would be fucked, you know? (laughs) If there was a single bulb. (laughs) The whole house goes out because one goes out. (laughs) Poor Will. Screw the, Oh no, Jonathan, help me check the bulbs. Um, yeah, that would be intense. That would be hysterical. <laughs> um, so then we get the the boys hunting for rocks uh, for their slingshot and another interaction with the uh, 80s bullies, the school bullies. What's he called, Dustin? Uh, toothless. Toothless, yeah. There's something else that he called. Freak him. show. Yeah, just a bunch of mean things. And frog face and midnight. <laughs> I don't understand that one. <laughs> racist piece of shit. Yeah, and then we. Uh, why, is, why are all '80s bullies complete, just sociopaths? Like, oh, your 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 friend's dead. Yeah, my dad said he got killed by some other queer. Cause, <laughs> yeah, I like, know. Jesus, that was really bad. I thought that too. I mean, I, there was definitely bullies in my high school, but they were more like, you know. I was a weird kid. And so the things they said to me, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing sweatpants that are for girls and I, I did shit them. So uh, <laughs> <school. laughs> fair enough. Touche, sir. I will go clean. <laughs> but yeah, it's like your, your queer friends dead from his queer killer. You know, it's yeah. just overly, 
But in, I think in the movie It that was released recently, they did a really good job of establishing what we all assume when we see a bully, like abuse at home. And mm-hmm. you know, the bully is always bullied by someone else. Mm-hmm. And Actually, in that bully in It, the very one of the first scenes, he goes to pick on the main character whose brother, like, spoiler alert, is the one that goes missing in the beginning. Sure. And the bully says, like, hey, man, you got a free pass this year because of your brother. Even, like, even he was nice. Right. Even yeah. that dude who gets abused at home and is a psychopath, he's like, hey, I'm not crossing the line. I'm going to give this guy some time to mourn. But these two jackoffs are like, ugh. Yeah. They're <laughs> even worse than the murderous bullied bully of it. Okay. Um, so then we get Jonathan developing the photos that he took that I took issue with in the last episode. Yeah. It turns out he did. I hadn't recalled. When did he snap photos of her taking her shirt off? Because I thought he had tilted the camera down. I think that's like the last one that he takes. He was like, oh, yeah. shit. That was like an yeah. oh, shit thing. He, probably, he, he was in the artiste moment and then saw <laughs> that it was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Oh, this is wrong. This yeah. is naughty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is... How embarrassing would that be? So then, yeah, he's developing the photos in the darkroom. Um, the snitching-ass redhead that's also in the darkroom. <laughs> IMDb credit. Snitching-ass redhead. <laughs> meets up with uh, Steve and his gang and Tommy H. and Carol uh, to show him the photos. Uh, or at least tell him about them so that he can steal them. And then he gets confronted. And that's one of those awkward situations, like just cringe-worthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, just, it should be on Reddit, like r slash cringe, yeah. where... You know, well, I was looking for my brother and Chris on the podcast pointed out how weird it was for me to use my camera to do that. And then I ran into you guys and it's and the really, light really just it added so much to your guys' silhouette. I saw the barb in the pool. Can we talk about barb? That's what's important here, fellas. You know, <laughs> just know some deflection. But it is awkward because out of context, you would almost want snitching ass red had to be like hey there's a dude perving on yeah, you guys absolutely. Yeah, like, like she's not necessarily in no, the wrong it looks all. bad and yeah. you see that look on nancy's face where she's always kind of protective of him she's not the type to pick on lesser popular kids yeah. at all uh, miss perfect right but she looks at him like dude what do you want me to do here like <laughs> this is kind of fucked up yeah. you know Damn, I look good though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> These Hades lenses. Can we point out that my wife's a photographer. Those telephoto lenses are very expensive. Oh especially yeah. Especially back in the day, back when not any old schmuck had a DSLR, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which didn't exist. But you know what I mean. Nobody, right. not any old SLR. schmuck had a good camera. <laughs> and he, they would have been bonkers expensive back then. I, if I know they he existed. Would, yeah, I know he picks up a lot of extra shifts at the at the gas and go, but. I just don't feel like he should have that camera to begin with. But it does explain how upset he is about the breakage and what a dick move that was on Steve's part. Mm -hmm. Steve knows, like, this is the MacBook Pro of the 80s. And he's just like, (laughs) yeah, Uh, yeah. He didn't spit on it. That was as, as fellow <laughs> filmmakers, did you guys have that, even though you're watching something that oh, has nothing horrendous. to relate it to you, didn't you have that like feeling inside of you that's like, oh, no, why would you do that? <laughs> Dave, you bastard. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Take my brother, but not my camera. <laughs> uh, so then we have uh, Baby Holly's mom, Mike's mom. What's her name? Uh, Mike has her character name. It's no. Carabuano, right? Yeah. Yeah. Carabuano. So anyway, her character shows up with a, uh, I called it casserole crazy. She's casserole crazy <laughs> because uh, Joyce looks super fucking crazy when she opens the door. And even baby Holly <laughs> notices how crazy she looks. She's like, whoa, lady, it's November. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, living room lights is not really a thing. Uh, so she brings her a casserole to console her, which is such an 80s thing. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of family members die, not to bring the podcast down, but nobody's ever brought me any sort of casserole. Yeah. And I would be a little pissed if they did. 
It was especially Karen. If, Karen bringing the casserole. Especially if she brought the casserole. I was like, I made you a casserole, but I need to put it in the oven for I know 20 she to 30 minutes. I didn't even cook it. Like, you're going to make me sit here and entertain you? Like, how selfish can you be in my grief? Yeah. You're going to put me in the awkward position of, like conversing with you and acting like I give a fuck about your shitty cooking and you're going to use my gas, my utilities. Clearly I've got a utility bill issue right now. Have you looked around? And you're going to wave your breathing alive baby Holly in my face while my kid's missing? Like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, pretty cool. I don't know why I put hyphen actually genius. Oh, here it is. Actually I remember. Genius. You got to be careful with the shorthand on the show notes because I look down sometimes and I'm like, oh, shit, what does that mean? It's so obscure. <laughs> Somebody's talking to me from the upside down. Um, so everybody thinks she's crazy, but actually Joyce's character is like a borderline genius that she's put these things together with the lights and yeah. some very obscure clues. So quickly. And her willing suspension of disbelief on the part of what's going on. She has nothing in her character background to show that she has, which I think is a flaw. They could have maybe done and needs more work to show a, like some sort of spirituality or willingness to believe in the supernatural on her part because yeah. she's just all in. And we just, we just have to assume it's mother's love, yeah. um, which I guess works. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's just so desperate for anything at this point. You know, I don't think that it has to be in her character to believe in the supernatural. Just like, yeah, but she, she never thinks it's like from the afterlife. Yeah. Which you would think if you think your son is communicating with you through light bulbs, that's going to be your go to. If, well, that's if the, not complete. The first thing she asks him is, are you alive? That's true. OK, so yeah, fair enough. Touche. And, yes. and I think they've established Joyce as being pretty manic early on enough to where Elvis She's manic enough to where like she's gonna take these leaps. She does and this not shit all forward. the time. Yeah, she's and just this gonna is the go. First time she's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she, the Christmas <laughs> lights again, Mom. You know, <laughs> I swear I'm hearing rusty messages. <laughs> They're coming in. Sputnik, I hear it through the lights. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to Hopper going to the library. Um, <laughs> Awkward confrontation with the librarian. Fuck the librarian. That's hilarious. <laughs> is the librarian the same lady from I don't think the previous so. episode? Uh -uh. Okay. Which I think yeah. is just some characterization. He's a yeah. bit of a womanizer uh, in his in his grief and loneliness. I mean, I don't blame the ladies. Look at that guy. <laughs> Uniform. He's a physical specimen. <laughs> I know. I kind of look down more on the librarian on that one. You didn't see that coming? I mean, he's got a decent job, but... There's a lot of pills and beers laying around the house. Uh, he likes to smoke in the cold with the door open if you're a lot like the other lady. You could have called and said, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. I'm a dick. And like, I love that. <laughs> oh, such a cringe. Maybe we his, can go out next week. His, I, his, I love, I love, yeah, I love the way he tries to save that. Like, oh, we, let's, we could just go out next week. Yeah. Water under the bridge. His off-the-cuff solution was awful <laughs> made it way worse and Even like his partner yeah. is looking at him like bro his partner was like nope that's the worst thing you could have said i'm you, not saving you what do you think his game is like when he approaches a lady what do you think hop's game is trying to hop on this <laughs> oh shit <laughs> pickup line of the century <laughs> i don't know i mean I, I'm, I assume he's got some charm and hey girl my daughter died <laughs> and my wife left me I have so a pill problem. I, I have a pill problem yeah. so i got vacancies in my bed got a bunch of beer and xanax at the house if you want to get weird <laughs> that actually worked when i was younger <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. Librarian uh, likes to party, dude. I assume womanizing in a small town is a 
dangerous venture. Yeah, man. it's not going to yeah. play out well for very long, uh, especially when you need to go to a public place. <laughs> Fuck, I need to go. You know, like on the car on the way there, he's like, is there anything else we can do other than go to the library to get this information? Right. <laughs> I, mean, like, I didn't think this was going to bite me. I'm not a book reader. I was thought my bases were covered on this. And now I'm forced to go to the library. I wish they had something where I could sit at home and just like figure things out on my own. <laughs> not for another 20 years, Hop. Uh, so yeah, then we get a little library research montage, uh, which is a classic trope that I always love seeing. I thought of Seven for some reason, uh, mm. the movie Seven, yeah. David Fincher film, where he's they're all playing chess, listening to symphonic music upstairs while he's going through the books. Mm. Uh, for some reason, um, then we have uh, cut back to Joyce and, and the casserole, still bacon. I put in the notes too. Didn't cook casserole? Like what a bitch! <laughs> I don't know if that's like a thing. Like she wanted it to be fresh, but it seemed to me to be odd. Like, I brought all this shit to cook at your house and you can clean up. That's a lot of casserole, too. <laughs> yeah, for, like, to, to further push the knife in. Like, yeah. oh, I wish you had some more people to eat this. You know? <laughs> 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 wish you had a hungry little grown boy. That'd be it's really convenient. How many plates should I set out? <laughs> when will Will be home? <laughs> oh, sorry. Baby Holly, we gotta go to our Think- warm house with our big family that's all full. I don't know, though. I think Baby Holly could... Pack a pound or two of uh, casserole. She has that look in her eye. <laughs> yeah. She takes it down like she does juice. <laughs> so uh, we got some tension with baby Holly in this episode. Obviously not because we've seen the show before, but I could easily imagine some serious tension the first viewing when she tracks down the hallway following the lights. And she's like, oh, shit, that's awesome. What's in here? And then we get the wall, which we know the Demogorgon likes to pop out of that particular spot in the wall. Mm. Uh, so if you think for a second that maybe baby Holly's about to get... Demogorged. Is that the Demogorged. verb? Demogorged. <laughs> Holly, no. It actually, I thought about it. It's like, is that why we love her? Or they've been inserting all of these cutesy shots of baby Holly just to deliver that moment of tension to full effect. No, I don't yes. like to think that was a happy accident because everybody knows that we love baby Holly by this point. Like, yeah. She's a cute, funny little character. It's a comedic relief. They even gave her a line. She said yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then we get this great jump scare when she grabs her up, 80s style. Mm. Um, to, to, I don't know. I just thought... Holy shit, it was no accident that they gave Baby Holly such charisma. I mean, she's one of my favorite characters this rewatch. Building to this moment. They you know? named the episode after her, dude. Holly Jolly. I had never thought about that. Yeah. I was thinking more of the Christmas reference with the lights. Oh, that's so what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, then we I got the broken camera. So then we get that. Um, and then they we, we see... Uh, Nancy pick up the ripped up photo uh, of evidence for Barb. So she's mad at the creepy Jonathan, but not so much because she also sees uh, some evidence to the last whereabouts of Barb, and she's more intrigued by that. Nancy Drew. Ooh. Oh, you stole my joke. I was holding that on, holding on to that one. Damn it. Let go of my ego. Um, so yeah, that's on her mind when she goes to the game with Tommy H and Carol and Steve. Uh, so that's why she leaves again later. Um, we they never see, ever actually get to that game. I, no, I thought that was funny. No. Like the game's about to start, and yeah. then let's go. Fifteen the minutes hallway. later, they cut back to them like hanging out in the hallway. But girl, the the game's about to start. <laughs> the game is always about to start. It's about to start in perpetuity. We yeah. just got out of class at two thirty. The game's about to start at seven thirty. <laughs> we got to hang out in the hallways for five hours. I mean, I remember doing that. Not for uh, yeah. I'd, I'd stay after class. It ended at two thirty, and we'd stay till what six or seven. Yeah. Uh, just hanging around. It was kind of cool to be in school when it was closed for some reason. Uh, for me, yeah, like I said, I was not cool. <laughs> but I remember being like, nobody's here but a couple cool guys. <laughs> got a little sea of lockers. <laughs> just hacky sack in the hallway. Anywho, 
so then we get the second seamless flashback of the episode. We get it's a twofer. She sees the cat when Eleven's walking to the preordained meeting place with the rest of the gang. At three one five. She runs into three one five. It was really awkward, too, when she was just uh, repeating everything Mike said. <laughs> it kind of frustrated me a little bit. Like, I get it. She doesn't speak English Power very lines. well. Yeah. <laughs> Meet friend time 315. And he's like, yeah, here's a watch. Should have been- <laughs> he's like, Jesus Christ. She's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a can of worms we don't want to get into right now, Eleven. <laughs> Should have given her a swatch. That would have been a good Easter ego. Uh, so, yeah, the, the cat brings her back to like a testing cat. More little flashbacks uh, back at, uh, what's it called? MK Ultra is the mm-hmm. Hawkins Laboratory name. Uh, and we get a wonderful scene there that I want to personally save for later. No, MK Ultra is like the 80s or the whole mind control experiment truth story about the U.S. government trying to develop psychic abilities. That's like the code name for yeah. that. Oh, and then it's just so, Hawkins Lab is the place. Yeah, Hawkins, Hawkins Lab is just where it's happening. Basically, they were it, with that microfilm or whatever, mm-hmm. microfiche as it was called. Uh, microfilm or microfiche. Gotcha. Um, they were just basically saying Dr. Brenner was a part of MK Ultra, where they tried to develop, using LSD and hypnosis, they tried to develop psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. And well, that plays in more into the characters later. But yeah, that, that was a real thing. Okay. Was that the name of the real thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, neat. Oh, I did not know that. So yeah. that's kind of an ego. Yeah. A bit. Okay. Right on. A real life ego. What do you guys think of the Eleven and Mike dynamic? Because I've got a lot to say about Millie Bobby Brown's performance at a particular juncture in this episode. Um, and I know that in the past we've we've uh, applauded the interaction between Mike and Eleven as very sincere and endearing. But something about this episode, specifically when she's walking in the woods and he's trying to hide the fact that he'd been bullied... It just didn't resonate very well with me. I thought the, the oh, line... Oh, they're, they're the walking line, and yeah. she's like, why'd they hurt you? And he Friends tell it. the truth, Mike. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, you're rubbing on a little thick here. Uh, it just was kind of corny. I don't know if bit. it was bad writing. It just didn't... I was like, shut up. She's you know? like, I understand. It's like, bitch, you can't read a watch. Yeah. You don't understand shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just seemed a little... So you guys all got that vibe. Do you think she was like, I understand. I too broke a man's neck and sent another one into a wall. <laughs> oh, is that, is that what happened to you? <laughs> you bleed when you snap necks with your mind as well. <laughs> I see you are also wearing sweatpants. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Yeah. I wonder if that was more of a, a direction because I don't because she's been so great so far and that it is she does lay it on pretty thick but I wonder if that's kind of like an out of context like when you're an actor and you don't necessarily know where the shooting schedule is like mm-hmm. where the scene's gonna play in if they're like mm-hmm. yeah be normal yeah yeah be more normal than you've been any other time so far <laughs> <laughs> be incredibly like not just telepathic but empathic I think part like of a the, wise old lady <laughs> I think part of why they play it up is uh they are trying to start to create the tension between the three boys. So, like, you know, they're up there bonding, having their uh, I understand moment. I'm getting bullied by mouth breathers. And, uh, and then it cuts back to Lucas and Dustin, like, just sort of rolling their eyes, pushing their bikes behind them. Like, um, and even in this episode, Lucas, like, I see the way you look at her, like, oh, L, oh, L, sure. will you marry me? Yada, yada. So, they're just, I think that part of that is just trying to build up that tension more. That's something I've written down. Uh, we can just jump to it and talk about it. It's like Lucas being so shitty to Eleven. Yeah. Which I guess in retrospect is, you know, he feels like she's taken his friend. He never wanted her there to begin with. He doesn't believe in her ability to help them. So, mm-hmm. you know, him being 13, he's going to just treat her that way. But 
knowing that she is useful and having such a fondness for the actress. And, you know, for me, it's like, what a little fucktard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just being so mean. <laughs> we'll be different if he wasn't like that from almost the immediate get-go. They mm-hmm. find this traumatized girl in the woods, and he's like, let's get rid of this girl. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. What is she still doing here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had a good thing with me, you, and Dustin, and Will. <laughs> I'm not ready to trade in Will for this girl. Kind of like a no girls allowed thing. Yeah. Uh, at that age. Well, I think they're out of that age, though. Like, they're 13. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, I was super trying to hang out with girls all the time at 13. And like, they're getting attracted to Maybe each 10, other, so. I would have been like, no girls allowed. Take her home. And right. She's, and she's bald. And this is like Aliens. <laughs> aliens 3 level right here. And we're only on the Aliens 1 timeline level. <laughs> so, um, that's Aliens 3 when she shaves her head, right? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So I skipped a huge uh, part of the show, which was Hopper's search of the Hawkins lab, uh, where he uses. Uh, I was surprised at his tactic when he entering the facility. I thought maybe he'd play hardball being Hopper, but maybe he knows this is military. Right. I can't do that here. It's like, look, man, I'm trying to clock out for the day. I know it's not in there, but I got to check the box. You know, help, help me out, man. One badge to another. One nine to five punch outer to another. You know what I mean? It really plays that yeah. card, and it seems to work. He knew how to play Patrick. <laughs> yeah, Pat, old Patrick. Patrick. Patrick's a softie for the fellow uh, working man. You know, he's just a blue-collar stiff. It's like, damn it, you got me. <laughs> man, I, too, like checking off boxes. <laughs> I feel a kinship here. I have to let you in. Uh, so he gets in and does the old look around. But his detective works too strong. They send the old PR guy, who I assume doesn't even know what's going on at the facility anymore than Hopper does. At least he says that, and I kind of believed him. Mm-hmm. He's like, asking the wrong guy, dude. Like, I just, I get paid to tell cops, uh, I get paid to show cops fake camera footage. Right. So, I don't, never seen the real shit myself either. Uh, but they do walk by some, like, pretty key-looking areas with the biohazard flaps and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and ostensibly, they check the uh, Shawshank Redemption pipe again. Yeah. And sees that... Uh, you know, no evidence of Mike or Eleven, even though he doesn't really know much about Eleven yet. He thinks they're the same, or Will or Eleven, I should say. Mm. Uh, I remember he thinks they're the same person still, right? Yeah. That yeah. the Benny's Diner kid is Will. Yes. Okay. Um, so then he gets shown some footage, but realized that it was raining that night, and the footage doesn't show rain. So Blind Melon reference there. No rain. No rain. I just want to bring up that. Anything about the search at the facility? Again, just showing his big city instincts, bro. Fucking... Did you see any rain in that footage? Like, mm-hmm. Oh shit! I think Detective his, Hopper's on the case. His deputies are way too dismissive of his skills, and I know that they don't have any experience. But like, they have known Will since birth, and probably Joyce since childhood. They mm. should be rabid trying to find this kid. And not only that, but because there's never been an incident of this magnitude, that they should be like drama queens about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Dude, how do you find a kid? Like, this is crazy. Like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in a weird, like... They should almost be more bent up about it than Exactly. Hopper and he's kind of like, dude, I don't know. It's raining a little bit. You know what I mean? Mind your business. Share <laughs> Hopper. Oh, fancy Hopper doing evidence again. You know? <laughs> The one, the one guy was even like, hey, can we pause looking for this kid? I need to know about the lasers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Death lasers that he kept harping yeah, space on? Space lasers. Space lasers. Uh, I have a, something about that. And uh, my favorite shot of the episode comes from this little scene that we're talking about. Anything else on the search of the Hawkins Laboratory no. before we move on? Okay. So then fast forward uh, 12 minutes to the show. We get to Joyce forming the iconic letter wall. 
iconic. Iconic. It Andy is. pointed out it took her a seemingly awful long time to paint those letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just an editing right. uh, mess up there. Because like a lot of time had passed when they before they went back to that shot. <laughs> she was like, like Z. <laughs> <laughs> Midday, she gets A, B, C, and then it takes her four more hours before she goes Z. Done. She had to consult. She had to go all the way down the library and talk to that lady. <laughs> yeah, alphabet books here. It's been a while. <laughs> what comes after P? She's like, what's it called? A microfiche? She's on that looking like P. <laughs> <laughs> She's <laughs> like, there's like an 80 montage to yeah, it. Research montage. <laughs> Pouring over the books and shit. Wait, there are uppercase letters? <laughs> oh no. God damn it. Uh, yeah. So she's writing the letters on the wall under each. Did she have to resituate the lights too? Can we give her a little bit? Maybe she got to like E. And then had to move some bulbs and stuff. Like, yeah. damn it, this is kind of between E and F, and I don't want to be confused. This is really important. Fuck, how many letters are there in the alphabet? <laughs> I wonder how they uh, translate that for um, uh, other countries' languages. Like, you know, in Spanish, I don't know what, what how you alphabet. say run, but it's different. Oh, yeah. So, like, do the different letters light up? In German, it's los. Los. Mm. So maybe they, like, special effect it. And it's like, no, I think they would... Oh, do the same thing and just have subtitles run. Yeah. But then the subtitle will be like, it, it lights up R and it says L. That's <laughs> 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 super awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually saw a video on the internet uh, where a huge fan had told um, his family members what sex their baby was via this method. Oh, so you know gosh. how it's like a big fancy reveal when you find the sex of the baby if you choose to, to find out what sex the baby is. Um, it was a girl and they had lights set up with the paintings on their wall and they made a video they sent to all of their family it's like G-I-R-L well as soon as they do the G it's like oh it's a girl no, yay sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I was like well, how do they hook that up to do that yeah that's well it neat. said it's a girl but yeah oh. still I just thought that was neat cool Stranger <laughs> Things fan way to do that uh, but yeah it's a G yay <laughs> you don't have to it's go any it's a guy <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we get the, um, I'll talk about that later, unless you guys have anything from the uh, letters on the wall scene you'd like to bring up. Hmm? No. no, I just, I, I love, um, maybe even before the letters on the wall scene, I really loved, uh, I, I really want to know the meeting with Winona Ryder when they're like, all right, Winona, we've got this really powerful scene where you're communicating with Will through lights. And she's like, oh, wow, how am I going to do that? Well, you're going to be hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> Uh, just clutching a giant ball of Christmas lights and mm. it's just going to blink at you and uh -huh. you have to react like yeah. that is such <laughs> an impactful moment in your life. That, I mean, she pulls it off and it's really incredible, but that has to be a weird meeting. Like, what am I doing? That scene actually <laughs> lost me a little bit. Really? Because she's doing really, I mean, it was, it's great. It's phenomenal. Her acting is, is great. It, and I know that she's hysterical and this is a situation that I couldn't begin to handle even half as well as that crazy ass. Yeah. So like <laughs> I would be just completely like batshit. But it was frustrating to watch her get a handle logically on how to do this. Like, are you alive? Yes or no questions. Blink once for yes, twice for no. She quickly just got some great rules going. Yes. Beep. 
cool, we're good. Are you safe? Beep, beep. No, cool. That, I mean, not cool. That sucks. <laughs> Depressing <laughs> downturn. And then she just totally ruins the whole method. Like, where are you? How do I help? I just want to know how to get to you. Tell me really complicated answers with this simplified method I just invented. Well, and he stops answering because I can picture him being like, Jesus fucking Christ. Mom. Yes. We had a thing going. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what is he going to say? Um, and that is on purpose because that they need that moment for her to realize I need a better method for more complex answers, I guess. Mm, I need to learn the alphabet. In fact, I totally just changed my own mind realizing that. And it's actually awesome. <laughs> That's the, that is the spur for her to create the letter wall. Yeah. She's like, I need more complex answers. Okay. Hats off to you, Duffer Brothers. <laughs> you were one step ahead of me. And I respect that. Um, do you think, um, it's changing subject a little bit, Hopper seems revitalized in a weird way, um, a little more himself, not just to be on a case, but to maybe have some chance at closure mm-hmm. with finding a lost child. Absolutely. That he has a lot more writing on this than, uh, and he's actually healthier, probably not drinking as much. I haven't seen him take, a, he didn't take a single pill this episode, I don't uh, think. I don't think so. Ooh. No. Yeah, he seems far more alert and focused mm-hmm. than in past episodes where he's had, he has this glazed eye look where he's just like, I clearly drank all night and partied and right. slept with a random woman who was probably the librarian. I was thinking when I first wrote that down that it was just being on a case of that magnitude, what was doing that to him when he was enjoying it. definitely like the opportunity to save a kid. Yeah, but it's more emotional than that. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the kid thing. He's got some closure there. Okay, wonderful. Um, So then we find a really powerful ending to this episode. Like that is a downer. So good. It's more like a penultimate ending. Like it's just like crazy magnitude. You know what I mean? Um, Will's body. Yeah, they find Will's body, the the kids are present when the body's pulled out of the, yeah, it's the quarry, right? The quarry Mm -hmm. lake. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Joyce, it's like cut, uh, at the same time as Joyce is running away from the house because the monster comes to the wall to get her Mm -hmm. and Jonathan uh, finds her on the road. That whole thing was just so great because they have the kids situated at Will's house, which is where Joyce had just run from. So then we see the fire truck and the ambulance and the police drive by. So they're there so they can see that and they're fairly nearby because everything's near Will's house. We established that last episode. Um, And then cut to Joyce running back, which was a wonderful shot of her in the headlights. And then you can see very subtly the police cruiser coming Mm -hmm. up far in the background about to tell her. And that's just sad. Just imagining them tell her that. No, that's the quarry. That's that close to Will's house. (laughs) (laughs) They're just driving right up. Oh, Joyce is here. (laughs) Yeah, they Um, also cut to uh, Mike going home and hugging his mom and Jonathan's hugging his mom. So who was that? Was that them talking about Barb in the living room? I would imagine. I think so. Yeah, I I think that's Barb. And she walked in with like, (laughs) he walked in like, fuck Barb, you know. More prescient issues. No one cares about Barb. It's Will. <laughs> Dude, the, and that, to me, was probably the most powerful shot of that whole sequence was Mike hugging, Mike hugging his mom. Like, you know, mm. I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm Karen. tearing up just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's good yeah. stuff. I teared up a little at that yeah. scene. I ain't gonna lie. Netflix I'm, and chills. I'm Peter Gabriel, bro. Oh, man. David Bowie. A fun little tidbit that doesn't make you cry. Um... <laughs> That quarry is in Atlanta, which is where a lot of TVs and, and uh, uh, films are shot these days because uh, the tax incentives in Georgia are wonderful, as we all know. And then 
I believe uh, The Hunger Games has a pretty major scene shot in that quarry, as does uh, Walking Dead Season 2. That's where they tend to hang out a lot, around that big lake, if you ever watch that show. Same place. So if you're ever going on like a movie set tour, that quarry is a good place to go. You got three solids right there. Dig it. Yeah. Dig it. Um, uh, So yeah, we have a segment uh, that kind of wraps it up for the overall talk over of the show the recap there and interpretations uh steve you invented a segment called will call will call how'd that go this time uh a significant dive Mm -hmm. um so if 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 you're just joining us and you don't remember will call is when we Mm -hmm. calculate how many times someone shouts will or where's will Mm -hmm. uh in the episode and this episode i only caught three three and they were all in the scene where uh joyce is stringing up the lights in her house Mm -hmm. will Will that criticism that you had was probably more towards her than yeah. you know because throughout the season I think she's going to be the last one because everybody else thinks he's dead right yeah um, and then now we have a Mike call if you notice there at the very end of that uh, that episode oh, yeah. when Mike, Mike gets pissed and runs off and Mike. all his friends Mike don't do this you know they they kind of had this like thing that belied their age like this knowledge of the grief that he was going through and yeah. that it was better to remain calm and, you know <laughs> like I saw some tears on Lucas but yeah. it was still I thought it was a little like they should just be like fuck Mike you know yeah. knees in the gravel um, yeah. but it's hard to judge how someone should grieve but I just yeah. thought it was funny Mike don't do this you know how you get you know we gotta stay together let's just eat some casserole and we'll just get through this you know they're, they're gonna have a grief counselor here in about 15 minutes yeah. Yeah. we need to talk to him Mike yeah so there was a bit of a mic call there at the end okay so moving on to our next segment Andy what do we call this where we choose our favorite moments of each episode the chocolate pudding chocolate pudding chocolate pudding chocolate pudding uh, so yes uh, the chocolate pudding segment is where we pick our top three favorite moments of each episode uh, Andy we'll start with you what was your number three uh, let's see here my number three would have to be the uh, intercut of the uh, sex scene and Barb being attacked by the mm-hmm. Demogorgon at the very beginning it's just really well cut you know like takes all the eroticism out of it it uh set some stakes you know what i mean for like the monster like we haven't seen we've seen the monster and we know will's gone but this is the first time we've seen someone be actively attacked by it even though we never actually it's like a jaws thing too you never actually see the monster during that scene you just see the horror of the person being attacked it's kind of like the opening to jaws where the uh skinny dippers are being dragged through the water and you know there's a shark but you never actually see it it's dope it's way more awful that way yeah oh yeah very effective horror um in the beginning of this episode, I thought. Steve, what about you? What's your number three? Uh, my number three is the second flashback with Eleven, where she's a, she's with the cat. She doesn't want to kill it, so they go to throw her in her cell, mm. her dungeon cell, and she ends up killing a couple dudes. Yeah. Because uh, you really, like, that's a really stark contrast to what we know of Eleven and her powers, because we've seen her levitate things and yeah, close the door. Cans. And she just, like, did a little nod of a head and a dude's skull went 360s right. 360 degrees on his head and he died um and it, and it and it was the best part about it was when matthew modine kind of walks in and she's crying because she wants to, to be protected from what she perceives as her father figure she wants him to love her that's dr brenner right mm-hmm. yes and uh he takes his hand and he like cradles her head in a way that she's probably thinking like 
is it a comforting parental sign, but he's clearly just holding her brain because he sees her brain as the value, not her mm-hmm. as the person. Mm-hmm. The power of her brain being able to kill people te- telekinetically is something that he wants to harness. But she's kind of looking up at him with that parental figure like, oh, my dad, he does love me because... Papa. Papa, I killed... I didn't kill a cat, but I killed a couple other pussies for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, I love that scene a lot. The escalation of it, too. It's like, I just crushed a Coke can. Now you're having me murder animals? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's move on to something a little... I can break some china, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, how about a Pepsi can? <laughs> right. That's demented, too. Like, oh, she can crush the Coke can. What else can she crush? <laughs> Anyone have a cat? Did you get the idea with that scene that he was intentionally, like, he, those employees, those orderlies were fodder for his experiment? Like, he knew how distressed she was, and she was refusing to escalate the test. So he forced it on her. Like, make her unhappy, make her distressed. Uh, throw her in her box, and hopefully she fucks you two up. Because I, I definitely has no care for those employees. Yeah. Yeah. He was happy for that turn of events, but I almost mm-hmm. felt like he kind of knew something like that might happen when she if she got mistreated. I don't know if that was his plan all along, but I definitely agree that he doesn't really care about right. the cost no, of yeah, human that's, life. That's, He's that's, like dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, you ain't sleeping in this cell. <laughs> You get to sleep in the luxury place, <laughs> whatever that means. The bigger box. Where, where does he take her? He carries, he just her, carries out. her out. Yeah. She was exhausted. He probably went to get her Snickers or something if they had those yet. I'm not, I think they did. Did he carries her? Gets like 15 feet down the hallway. He's like, all right, you can walk. <laughs> <laughs> now that the camera's not on me, I definitely did that. Um, my number three um, was the Hopper fucking the librarian scene. Uh, just a little comedy. Uh, it totally took me by surprise. I'd forgotten it. And just his discomfort, it was like his old way of living clashing with his current perp- sense of purpose. So he was uh, full of guilt that he probably normally wouldn't have. Because, you know, two episodes ago, he's like, Flo, shut your <laughs> whore face. Coffee <laughs> contemplation. You know, and now he's like, ooh. Okay, I understand. I was on a lot of Xanax. You know, <laughs> I kind of forgot you existed. Uh, not going to lie, I blacked out. You may want to get tested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just I just love that scene. I think there were some deeper character moments in there than just comedy, but it, it was effective comedy. So, Andy, your number two. Uh, my number two was the uh, 11 cat scene. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just amazing progression. We've already talked about it plenty, but yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Steve, your number two. Uh, Jonathan's camera breaking. Mm. I don't know. I just really uh, like that scene. I, like, I think we all love Jonathan. Yeah, so far and just that awkward situation of where it's kind of justified from their point of view that he was creeping on him even though he he really wasn't but it's this weird situation that he 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 doesn't he he kind of earns this but he doesn't at the same time and you feel bad for him especially when Nancy goes to grab the picture of Barb and gives him that look like that's kind of messed up man but Mm. I'm gonna take your picture yeah but I need this yeah (laughs) and the one of me because I look great Okay. Uh, is it my number two? This is a Pentax. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're number two. My number two is the R-U-N. Um, I just thought that was insane. I am in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the letter R. <laughs> so when Joyce is looking at the letter wall and she says, what do I do? After she's communicating, he says, I'm right here, which I thought was a dick, teenage sarcastic yeah. way of answering that when he knows it's way more complicated than that. Or does he? Does he just think, I'm in a shitty version of my house? Anyway, we don't know much about the Upside Down yet if you're on your first watch of Stranger Things. So I'll just leave it there. But it could possibly be interpreted as him being inappropriately vague. Yeah. Um, but then he says, she says, what do I do? And he says, run. 
And just that, the tension build up, the score, the way that it's shot at that canted angle, it's like almost kind of dutched. Uh, we see some classic, uh, you know, we know, the audience knows what's coming behind her and she does not. Uh, the blinking, with the urgency, uh, it all culminates. And I think... Oh, it starts flashing like crazy. It's dope. The Stephen King half of Stranger Things, I think, is just firing on all cylinders right there. Uh, and I could not have been happier with that mm-hmm. moment. I love the, uh, speaking of sarcastic teenagers, when early in the episode when uh, Mike's talking to Eleven, you hear uh, his mom up in the background like, Mike, let's go. He's like, coming! Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. the best little teenager yeah. thing to do. Christ, I'm busy here. He's got so much stank behind his voice. Yeah. I love it. It's so unmike like too. Ted's just like, language, <laughs> volume. Please. Where was Ted this episode? Ted is just the absent father symbolically left out of all of the actual goings on. Was he even there at the final scene when they were breaking the news that Barb's missing to Barb's parents? Probably had a newspaper. He's eating chicken. In the yeah. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying your chicken, Ted. Who's Barb? <laughs> uh, Barbarella? Uh, I saw that movie. <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't be watching that, Mike. Coming. Okay. Uh, Andy, you're number one. Uh, my number one is got to be the uh, sequence uh, at the end, finding Will's body. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the kids are riding their bikes, following the sirens, and uh, Hopper gets the call and radio like, "You need to get down here." And um, intercut with uh, Joyce running from the house and uh, Jonathan finding her. Hopper's just heartbreak when he gets out of the car. He's like, "Oh Jesus, please tell me that's not the kid." You mm-hmm. know, like. He is so invested in this and the kids get there too. And, you know, like they were just mad at 11. Like they think that she's leading him to leading them to will. And right. she actually is. She takes him to their house. They're mm-hmm. like, what, what are we doing here? And like Mike gets all angry at her and like Lucas is crying, which is dope. Cause that's the first time that we get like an emotion from Lucas that isn't aggressive or anger. You know what I mean? Although I guess he's kind of funny in, in the opening, but point being like, just with the score, well, the music, the Peter Gabriel, did you say that was, saying the David Bowie song? Yeah, Heroes. Um, Heroes. Uh, it just was one hell of a way to end the episode, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, and then on a first watch, you're like, shit. You oh, know, my God, the kid's makes dead. Makes no sense, right. Uh, Steve, you're number one. That's my number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because everything Andy said, plus it, if on your first watch, it really gives you a really great sense of intrigue uh like you are instantly questioning was joyce talking to will who she's talking to like is, is he really dead is he alive can they save him it's a really good way to end an episode it, it's really gonna make i knew when i first watched i instantly was like well <laughs> can't stop now yeah it's they, four in the morning but I, I guess i'm watching this now yeah this was definitely not the invention but just a wonderful execution of what you can do with the binge model um, things just got stranger. Yeah. And, and even I would say that's sort of a technique of serialized shows where you have to get them to tune in the following oh, week. Yeah. Um, and they just classic, maybe even referencing that area of TV. Um, Ooh, little meta meta judgment there. But I will say with most, uh, a lot of Netflix originals sag in the middle. Um, very frequently, even up until recently with like the Ozarks just came out. I don't know if you watched that, but nope. the first two and the last two are incredible episodes and the middle just sags a lot. Um, and this is just ramping straight the fuck up. You know, mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe such a powerful episode three. Um, so my number one is um, Steve's number three and Andy's number two. It's when Eleven kills the individuals. When I love snapping necks, you know, I love <laughs> random 
acts of extreme ultraviolence. Um, huge Tarantino fan. But it's not even that. It's what you alluded to when he touches her face. And I just could not believe, um, as someone who's tried to act and direct actors, that this little girl was able to to summon that reaction with that much fidelity to the truth of life when Dr. Brenner touches her face. You know, just mm-hmm. like you said, it was just she doesn't get a whole lot of human interaction uh, and or consoling, and the child craves that, and she just buckled you know what i mean all that anger just fled out of her and she just wanted to be held and loved and given a coke that she didn't have to squish with her mind <laughs> uh, I like and there's so much pain and she had the quivering lip and the watery eyes and just it's so many layers to it I and just, the makeup in that shot was so dope because mm-hmm. at this point we've seen like she gets the nosebleed mm-hmm. when she does her thing but she did her thing this time she's bleeding from both nostrils she, her ears are bleeding mm-hmm. right. and like they they did her makeup to where like her veins are showing through her cheeks and yeah. stuff it's yeah it's really cool it was uh yeah i'll never forget that as long as i live mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was the most fidelity we've all had uh, with favorite moments, uh, which maybe says a lot about to the power of the episode. Like there were some definite points. It was like, you can't fucking go around that. Uh, So anyway, real quick, what was your favorite shot, Stu? Um, I'm going to cheat a little. No cheating. Sure. (laughs) Um, There's two. The first one is uh, Dr. Brenner standing very heroically uh, as two guys uh, drill in a wench into the ground and he doesn't help them just because it's just Superman posing. It's a really awkwardly staged scene where he's like, yes, put it right where my feet are. Good job. I'm not going to look at either of you. And don't look at my bulge. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the re- really any, any shot that featured the Christmas lights going berserk yeah. with Anona Ryder. Like the lighting, that lighting is so cool. And really, yeah. there's no shot you can get of that that'll look bad. So it, all, all those shots look super cool to yeah. me. So I know that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a cop out, but I really do love flashing lights. <laughs> I love them. So does I my son. Get into them. That's why he loves cruisers. Uh, Andy, what was your favorite shot? Um, my favorite shot was after Joyce had first put up all of those Christmas lights. Like they're not going ham yet. It's right after she's like, just ring me up, Donald. And uh, we, uh, she has just plugged in the last light and she takes a step back and she's just looking around. And that's to the look on her face is like, I know how fucked up this is. But at the same time, it's like, wow, this is super cool looking. Like, I don't know. It's uh, and the music that's playing in the background, you know, it's like this is the turning point for this character. You know, I mean, it's like she's all in for this, whatever the fuck this ride is, you know, and uh, there's this sense of wonder to it. Mm -hmm. It's a dope shot. Uh, My favorite shot is that ends in the culmination of the dick winch of Dr. Brenner. Um, (laughs) But I I was just uh, that really... sounds like what we should call that character from now on. <laughs> Dick Winch. Here comes Dick Winch. <laughs> we will. I'm going to write it down. Uh, no, when Hopper leaves and he, he and they just did a really good uh, carrying the suspense visually. Because uh, Hopper's like, he's like, what's going on? What do you think's going on, boss? If there wasn't no rain there. And he's like, I don't know. But they're lying. Slam door drive off, you know, uh, which should have cut. Should have been a hard cut. But nay. They linger on the vents, uh, push in through the vents, track down, flow out of vents, and then um, do an establishing shot of like the portal to the upside down and then end with Dr. Brenner doing that ridiculous <laughs> pose. But just 
you know, the cinematography of it, just from a, a technical perspective, uh, I was like, holy shit, you know, I know there were mm-hmm. obviously some digital things there and it was uh, definitely some cuts that they hid, but it looked seamless. It was very well done. I was very pleased by it. Yeah, it's a very cool shot. Good stuff. Stoked about it. I was really, like, at first, I'm like, what is in the vents? I totally don't remember. <laughs> Somebody like in there listening to him saying that, you know, I like, totally had forgotten. Like there was going to be something. Like, it's lint. just Will. <laughs> 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 I'd like to come home now. It was very David Lynch if there had been some little man in there, you know. It'd have been great. So Stranger Things indeed. <laughs> Don't reference the other show. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to our next segment, which we call um, Easter Eggos, which is pretty obvious what it is. So it's we go on an Easter egg hunt and try to find all the as many cultural references and little nods as we can, or if we can't find many, we stretch some and make our own. Uh, we, we do the best we can. That's right. So, uh, uh, Andy, start us off with uh, just start naming off Easter eggos. Um, well, we already covered the MK Ultra thing. Super cool. Sure. Um, I uh, I really liked uh, when Lucas and Dustin bring out their supplies for uh, their hunt for Will. Um, Lucas, he pulls out um, this uh, army knife and binoculars, and he says, knife from Nam, binoculars also from Nam. It's a neat thing, like just kind of um, explains a little bit about his character, like his he's from an army family. His dad's a veteran, and like he clearly got these things from his dad, so it explains more of his aggressive nature. And then Dustin, he dumps out his stuff, and he's like, so I got Nilla wafers, I got Pez, I got bazooka gum. Like he, I called he's it just, 80 snacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He names off all Pringles. these 80 snacks. He's got the super old-school Pringles can. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they, they fucking nailed it with that. I don't know if you can call those egos, but yeah, I, did. I, I dig them. Uh, Stu? Uh, from the same scene, actually, uh, there's the Millennium Falcon mm, toy yeah. from the 80s, and they drop that thing a lot. <laughs> and the Star Wars nerd It's worth me, a lot of money. A, a lot, yeah. Every time they drop that thing, I just kept stop it. Stop. <laughs> no, please don't. My brothers actually owned that yeah. model, and they sold it in a garage sale. Oh, and when I became man. old enough to realize what they had done, I never forgave them. <laughs> <laughs> now they have a model that actually does fly. Uh, and I just thought those kids would be amazed if the characters were yeah. real people. Holy shit. It flies? Is Eleven nearby? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually, it's a it's a drone. Never mind. Mike has all the Star Wars toys. He was playing with Yoda in like episode one. Now he's got the Millennium Falcon. He's going to. I think it was a big deal in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, actually, 83 would have been the release of uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. 79 with that. Uh, 79, the original. Yeah. And then 81, no, 87, 80, 83. I thought. Uh, I think you're oh, right. you're right. It is 77. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. No. Got so this it. would have been the height of its popularity. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Good call. Duffers. They're so smart. They so are. Smart. Uh, there was a Jaws poster. I noticed that. That was in me. Will's room, right? I saw mm-hmm. Jaws poster. Um, yeah. Uh, Andy. Um, let's see here. Oh, in uh, Nancy's room, there is a poster of 80s Tom Cruise. Yep. Um, is that who that was? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out who that was. That was Top Gun, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, it looked to me just like a glamour poster, like the kind of thing that celebrities did back in the 80s that they don't do anymore, where it's like, this is just me with a pose, yeah. and they print a poster <laughs> of it, you know? And uh, uh, yeah, that would have been the height of the uh, Cruise phenomenon. Um, Five so. feet of fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, second ego from Steve, Stu, Stewie Steve. 
Um, so kind of going back to the Jaws connection, like the, uh, did we, did we mention before how Hopper's police car, his truck is like the exact same truck as, uh, the police chief from Jaws? No. It's like the same color. I think it's the same type of truck. I'm nice. That, uh, what, what's the, what's the police chief's name in Jaws? Brody. It's Brody. Brody yeah. Chief Brody. That's right. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the truck is the same okay. type of truck. Nice. Have they shown the, um... Hawkins Lab van yet? Hawk, the Hawkins Lab? Yeah, they, they actually have a van. That's, yeah, they. Uh, it's totally ET. Oh, when they went to Will's house in episode one? Mm-hmm. And yeah. They had and, all the uh, get up. That's an ET van. Wearing the hazmat we stuff, which is straight up out of ET, like where they wear the hazmats and go to the guy's, Elliot's house. Speaking mm-hmm. of two letters, the second of which is T. Uh, <laughs> I'm good at transitions. Uh, the slingshot, I believe, is a reference to it, Stephen mm-hmm. King's. Uh, I believe they kill. Uh, it <laughs> Pennywise uh, Pennywise with a slingshot in the book so there and he's like I'm gonna kill the monster with a slingshot and everybody's <laughs> like totally even though that's absurd to us turns out uh, intellectual property actually did that I don't remember I know that there's some insane thing where like they do the ritual of Chud or something mm. and they, they seriously the wound the monster with a slingshot though the it's, it's Beverly that and, does it oh is it so I think that was pretty good nod to that if not like I said we'll stretch it if we have to <laughs> Andy another ego uh, let's see here um When uh, early in the episode, Dustin is uh, pondering uh, how Eleven got her powers. He says, so I wonder if she was born with her powers like the X-Men or if she acquired them like Green Lantern Mm -hmm. doing some serious uh, comic name drop in there. Steve? Um, The scene where Eleven is supposed to be brutally murdering the cat and there's like close-ups of it hissing at at her. Um, That's a reference to um, Jonesy from Alien. The cat and alien. Oh, nice. That there's there's several sh- shots of Jonesy hissing at the alien, you know, in the same vein. Yeah, very much. It. Right. That's where uh, Blake Snyder came up with the uh, save the cat ideas from that movie. Oh yeah, and Eleven literally saved the cat here too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm gonna write down. I'm gonna say two because I'm cheating. Because one's not real. I don't think Dustin's hat. Does anybody have any knowledge of that? Uh-uh. The Goonies thing. It just looks so familiar with the three colors, and maybe it's just typical. oh, his trucker hat. Yeah, I don't know if that's a. Reference. I, just, I would like to do some Googling on that. Um, References Pokemon? It's I got a big uh, one. Ash Ketchum? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that wasn't out, yeah? Um, so they show Ronald Reagan when she's watching TV. And then later, um, the cop buddy, deputy, mentions the space lasers that you mentioned, which was actually a real thing that Reagan was trying to implement. Uh, he had this... Operation Star Wars? Yes, uh, where they would sit, the satellites would be in space and we'd be able to shoot out missiles that before they could reach the U.S. Uh, so I thought that was a cool little Reagan Easter egg there. Yeah. Um, and Reagan, even like in that t- little tidbit, he mentions the uh, crisis in Syria. Uh, yeah. You know, there's all kinds of shit going on uh, at the time. Um, and now. There's, uh, yeah, no shit that's been going on for a long time now. Uh, there's Reagan, then there's... Uh, what is it? He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? Yep. He-Man. Is in He-Man. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's the Coke commercial, Coke. which is a dope transition into uh, Eleven crushing the Coke can stuff. And it ends with the music, Coke is it? Or whatever yeah. it says. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Um, another one. When the kids are hanging out in the basement, um, on the table, there is the board game Dungeon. 
with an exclamation point. Dungeon. Yeah, it's like a. It was stri- like a <laughs> board game version of Dungeons and Dragons, not but made by the same people or anything. But it played very much the same. It came out in like the late seventies. My brother used to have it. it. Came out in like the late seventies. So I saw the box. I was like, hey, I know that game. <laughs> hey. Dungeon. I couldn't read it. I was trying to read it. Okay, another one from you, Steve. Uh, my last one, it's not so much a uh, an Easter egg, but something that I love pointing out is uh, that dope-ass Trapper Keeper that Nancy had that in her locker. That was my last one, too. That, <laughs> that literally said Trapper Keeper down yeah. its spine. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone was wondering, like, is that a Trapper Keeper? It I sure didn't know is. That was a brand. Like, Band-Aid became, right. you know, the adhesive strip. Ubiquitous, Everything. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we just called them Trapper Keepers when yeah. we were in school. Apparently, mm-hmm. it was, like, invented by the brand. And Very that, successful marketing. It had that beautiful, uh, bubbly, hippie font, too. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was a work of art. I've just got a few random broad stretches. I believe there was a Captain America shield in the back of the basement. Uh, there was definitely like a, it could have been a bullseye for an archery set. I don't know, but it looked like a Captain <laughs> America shield to me. Uh, there was TV snow, which was definitely not a poltergeist reference, but I just remembered us saying that <laughs> when they were looking at the cameras at the Hawkins laboratory, a lot of them had the snow going and I was like, ah, I knew there'd be snow in this show somewhere. <laughs> um, the white noise of the television. Uh, Dr. Brenner just looks so Lynchian to me and everything he's in, especially with the he looks uh, like Lynch. It's, yeah. it's hysterical. Maybe that's all it is, is that. <laughs> but it just I know that there are some major Twin Peaks references later in the show. And I was just looking for it. And with those the in the confines of the cell that's Eleven's in and the, the shot of him leaving it, it just it looks so David Lynch. And I actually don't like David Lynch. So for me, it's like <laughs> and I know that's bad for a lot of people to say, but it's just, hey man, it's America. I have my own opinions. It's a subjective art form. And then mm-hmm. when Carol uh, and Tommy H are reenacting the sex scene with Steve and Nancy in the lunchroom, we realized on air live, it could have been a <laughs> When Harry Met Sally illusion. I'm going to say that it is because I like it. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, or whatever. I mean, whatever she did. Oh, Steve. <laughs> She did very convincing. And then Tommy was making it weird, slamming the table, making oh, it all rapey. Yeah. Like, whoa, bud. That's not what happened. Steve was clearly making sweet, quiet love yeah, from what I saw. There was hand holding. Yeah. Tender kisses. Steve was just, that's screaming barb. <laughs> screaming. Aww. That was the screaming that he was hearing. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Hashtag justice for Barb. That's about wrapping it up. For you say that, Andy, things. but that's like a possibly it's true. <laughs> right. Like he heard her screaming for her life, and he's like, "Man, Nancy's getting it." <laughs> Why is Nancy screaming her own name? Nancy. <laughs> I knew she was stuck up. Miss <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that's, oh. And that guy, yeah, he look he looks like the type who would be into that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'd like to drag you dramatically into an empty pool. <laughs> Reenacted at lunch the next day from a wholeness. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up for chapter three, Holly Jolly. Uh, look forward to chapter four, probably right now. You can probably listen to it at this very moment. Uh, please take a moment. A moment. <laughs> this is our Canadian uh, arm. Take a moment, if you would, hey. um, to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, and go ahead and subscribe. That would be wonderful. That helps us out a great deal. Uh, we've got a special contest for you soon that we will release when this the show is live. So we'll let you know about that. Uh, Steve, what can we find more of your work on the web um, now that we're here? 
Oh man, you just put me on the spot. Uh, you can look at my In work. Many places. I mean, it's kind of hard to me research. <laughs> I have a Facebook. <laughs> you, can, you can actually go on my website if you want. It's okay. stevemayfilms.com. Right on. You can look at some of my work there. And I also have another podcast if you're interested in pro wrestling mm-hmm. uh, called K Fabulous Wrestling Radio that mm-hmm. you can uh, subscribe to on iTunes. No, oh, wonderful. Andy, what about you? Uh, you can uh, look up our uh, Meta Junkie Films if you were to look on YouTube, you can find our first film that we did together. And really, we've done all of our films together. You can look up Those Damn Dames on YouTube. You can look up A Divine Comedy um, if you want to hop over. Actually, you know what? Those Damn Dames is on Vimeo, not YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then A Divine Comedy is on YouTube. Also, the horror film, uh, a fic- I almost said Fixate, Fitness Freak <laughs> is on there. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at C Michael Rudd. It's C-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-U-D-D. And uh, www.idagaff.com is our parent website where you can find a lot of articles on uh, stuff that have nothing to do with Stranger Things but are pretty neat, I think. And we have another podcast by the same name, I-D-O-G-A-F. Uh, so please email streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com with all of your feedback and wonderful thoughts. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. That's all we got. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. I'm Steve. 